The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Be Fit for Life. Your host is Chad Austin. There's no time to get yourself into shape. Like right now, you'll learn how to overcome the day-to-day excuses and start working on the rest of your life. The results will come as you go and will just keep getting better and better. Now, here's your host and motivator, Chad Austin. What's up, everybody? I'm Chad Austin. Welcome to Be Fit for Life. I hope that everyone had a great Thanksgiving. My Thanksgiving was great. I got to spend some time with family, got some time to reflect over everything I'm really thankful for right now, and I did what you're supposed to do over Thanksgiving, which is eat. So I hope all of you got to do the same. All the leftover turkey and food is finally gone, so I'm back on my regular routine. This is my favorite time of year. I love the holidays, and these are my favorite holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's. And as a sports fan, this is the time when everything is going on at once. In the NFL, the last quarter of the season is starting, and my team is in the playoff hunt this year for the first time in a while. In college football, the championship games are getting ready to start, and the bowl games will be coming soon. College basketball is now in full swing, and high school wrestling is just getting started. All of my favorite sports to watch are going on. Unfortunately, this is also the time of year when it's the toughest for anyone for your fitness plan. The six-week stretch between Thanksgiving and New Year's Day is generally when most people fall off of their fitness regimen. Why is it so tough? Everything gets in the way. Holiday parties, family get-togethers. You have lots of big meals and events that not only make it hard to stick to your meal plan, but can also take away your workout time. I'm realistic. It's hard to make big weight loss goals during this stretch. Not that it can't be done, it's just much tougher expectations. For most people, maintaining your fitness level during this stretch is success. Remember, the most important thing to me, you're wanting to have a lifestyle change, you're wanting long-term success. So the most important thing is to stay consistent. Do your best to stick to your program. Get your workouts in and stick to your meal plan. As far as holiday events, meals, I, I say splurge in moderation. Or I love what Steve Jordan, my guest a few weeks ago, said. He called it discipline cheating. So say you have a couple events during the week and you're going to have a chance to have a couple different big meals or you're going out a couple different times. Maybe stay conservative on the first two and let yourself cheat a little bit on the last one just so you, so you maintain through the week. For your workouts, you may not have near as much time to work out. You want to get the most out of the workouts when you have them. And what I would do is I would schedule out your workouts at the beginning of the week. So at the beginning of the week, if you know your your son has something on this night, your daughter has something on this night, you have a work party on this night, you know you're going to have a couple nights during the week that's going to take away from when you normally work out, then reschedule your workouts at the beginning of the week. If you can, work out in the morning that day. Or if you can, make that your off day and work out on your off day. 
somehow reschedule it in your schedule so you still get your workout in. And do that at the beginning of the week before the week starts. Otherwise, by the end of the week, you're going to say, oh, I, I only got two workouts in because I had this and this and this going on. And so you're just going to let yourself off the hook like you didn't have anything else you could have done with it. You're going to point fingers. So don't do that. Make, a, make an arrangement. Make a plan at the beginning of the week so you still stay consistent with your plan. Changing the intensity of the workout may, I mean, you may not have as much time to get your workouts in. Changing the intensity of your workouts may actually help you get better results. My guest today is going to help us understand how to get the most out of our workouts. Joining me on the show later is Brett Klicka. Brett Klicka is an award-winning human performance specialist, motivational speaker, author, and educator. In his 14-year career, Brett has accrued more than 20,000 hours of training with youth, athletes, executives, and everyday people around the world as a consultant for various fitness companies and Fortune 500 companies. He uses this knowledge and experience to educate and motivate people from all walks of life through his writing, speaking, DVDs, and personal correspondence on improving life performance through health. His unique practical approach to health teamed with his infectious passion for helping people recently resulted in him being named the 2013 IDEA Personal Trainer of the Year. Brett can be reached at www.brettclicka.com. So if you have any questions for Brett anytime during the show, you can contact him at brettclicka.com. You may recognize Brett's name because I have shared many of his articles and blog posts on this show. Brett recently published an article through the American College of Sports Medicine about high-intensity training that ended up being called the 7-Minute Workout by New York Times. It went viral and had over 80 million hits on Google. When he joins us later, we're going to talk about the benefits and the pitfalls of high-intensity training. I figured, since we'd be talking about interval training later, I thought I'd take some time at the beginning of the show to talk about a popular question that I've gotten a lot over the years. It comes up all the time, and that is, is coffee good or bad for you? This is, there is tons of debate on this. You can act, literally Google coffee is good for you and then turn around and Google coffee is bad for you and get pretty much the same amount of articles for both sides. I know this because I did this earlier when I was getting ready for the show. When you are searching for answers on topics like this, here's some advice. Make sure you know who did the research. Because make sure it, know if it, if it is an opinion or if there are supported facts. Is it an expert writing this or not? Because personally, I love coffee. I usually have coffee every morning. So obviously I am pro-coffee. So if I wrote something, it would be pro-coffee. So make sure you know who's researching, your, who's doing the research on what you read before you're swayed. Over the years as a fitness professional, I have learned how to be much smarter about how I use coffee. I have learned how to get its full fat-burning and energy-enhancing effects without ruining it. I have found through, I mean, through trial and error and through what other trainers have told, pointed out my mistakes, I've, changed, I've made a lot of changes. So I found a few articles to share today that discuss the good and the bad of coffee, and it, makes, it brings back some memories of when I made some changes before. So hopefully it will help you out. I shared these articles, like I always do, on my Facebook page. So if you go to the right-hand corner of my Be Fit for Life page, there's a link there that will take you to my Facebook page, Chad Austin Fitness Facebook. And so on my timeline, I believe it's the second or third one down from the top, third one down from the top, benefits versus harmful effects of coffee. So I'm just going to read part of this here. 
If your morning is not complete without one or more cups of coffee, you are not alone. Millions of people begin their day with a steaming cup of brewed coffee because it helps wake them up and prepare them for the day ahead. If you are a coffee drinker, it may help to know the benefits and harmful effects of your morning cup so you are able to make informed and healthy beverage choices in the future. First one is antioxidant content. Your diet should consist of food and beverages that contain antioxidants such as red and deep blue fruits and dark green orange vegetables. Antioxidants are substances that prevent oxidation of cells, which lead to harmful free radicals in your body. A cup of coffee also contains antioxidants. Consuming plenty of antioxidants reduces your risk of type 2 diabetes and Parkinson's disease. May prevent some types of cancer. Many people are diagnosed with cancer each year, and scientists are continuing to search for a cure. Your diet plays an important role in how likely you are to develop cancer of any kind. The Harvard School of Public Health reports that coffee can reduce your risk of suffering from colon, breast, and rectal cancers. If you drink coffee, you are also 50% less likely to develop liver cancer than those who do not drink coffee. May raise cholesterol levels. High cholesterol levels are linked to, to a varying of negative health conditions, including cardiovascular disease. Coffee contains a substance called cafestol that encourages the increase in LDL cholesterol, which is a dangerous type known as the bad cholesterol. The Harvard School of Public Health notes that preparing coffee with a paper filter will reduce or eliminate the cafestol in your cup. Drinking unfiltered coffee and coffee drinks, such as lattes, do not reduce cafestol in your drink and may lead to an increase in cholesterol levels. So drink filtered coffee and stay away from the lattes with lots of sugar and calories in it. May raise blood pressure. A cup of coffee has enough caffeine in it to temporarily raise your blood pressure. MayoClinic.com notes that the caffeine in two or three cups of coffee can raise the top number of your blood pressure reading by up to 14 milliliters of mercury. The bottom number can be increased by up to 13 milliliters of mercury. While caffeine may or may not have a long-term effect on your blood pressure, if you already have high blood pressure, MayoClinic.com recommends limiting your daily intake to 200 milligrams or less. So if you have high blood pressure, coffee may not be the best idea. So this is one good article I found. This is actually written by Livestrong.com. So that's a pretty good source for uh, anything when it comes to fitness, nutrition, anything. I found another one. I was, there was an article I read about a year ago that really opened my eyes at how much I was ruining my fat-burning and energy-enhancing effects of coffee by putting too much sugar and stuff in it. And so I, I couldn't find that exact article, but I found one by a trainer that is a very good article that I also posted on my time um, timeline. You'll definitely want to take the time to read this later. I'm just going to skim through part of it now. Three steps you can use today to burn more fat from every cup of coffee and avoid damaging your metabolism with these common coffee shop mistakes. A lot of modern life happens in coffee shops. And if you want to lose your belly fat, that can be a great thing or a huge disaster, depending on what you order at, a, at your favorite cafe. First, the good news. Caffeine burns fat. In fact, it's one of the only thoroughly researched ingredients in all those fat-burning supplements and pills. It works. And I'm sure you'll agree that it's much nicer to sit down and enjoy a cup of coffee with friends, family, and colleagues than it is to choke down a fistful of expensive fat-burning pills. But beware. 
If you make any one of these three common mistakes on your next Starbucks visit, you will literally reverse the benefits of caffeine and cause your body to store fat faster than normal. Don't worry, though. You can easily avoid these by following these three simple steps. So these are, are steps that will help you avoid. These three steps reveal the things you must stop doing if you want to burn more fat, get unfair anti-aging advantage, and achieve your ideal body while enjoying your daily cop- coffee fix. Step one. So avoid this coffee additive. Guess what additive this is? Even a single teaspoon of sugar in your coffee completely switches off your fat-burning magic. You see, sugar and other refined carbs like pastries boost blood sugar and insulin levels. The main thing to remember here is that it's not just about calories. You actually kill coffee's fat-burning power at a cellular level when you add as little as one teaspoon of sugar. You can imagine what happens to your body when you feed it one of those desserts in a cup you get at most coffee joints. And just so you know, a grande pumpkin spice latte, I'll say that just because it's this time of year, a Starbucks contains 49 grams of sugar. That's equivalent to more than 12 sugar cubes. The second one, don't waste this powerful anti-aging super nutrient. Did you know that both coffee and tea are significant sources of powerful antioxidants and that antioxidants can actually help turn back the clock on accelerating ages, aging? And step three, never eat carbs with your coffee. In step two, you discover the importance of insulin sensitivity. The higher it is, the easier it is for you to lose fat and avoid fat storage from your meals. Coffee can help help with that too, but only over the long term. In the short term, for about two to six hours after consumption, coffee actually drives your insulin sensitivity down, which is not a big deal unless you eat carbs when you're when you're in that state of low insulin sensitivity. If you do, they're likely to be stored as fat. So if you go and get a latte and a donut or a pastry with breakfast every morning or or in the afternoon, if you have a bad habit of doing that. You're not, you're not getting any of the benefits from coffee because the carbs are making it become stored fat right away. But there's a lot more good stuff in this article, so be sure to take time to read it later. But it made me go from, I used to put a lot of sugar in my coffee, and then I went, went from using Splendo in my coffee, and then I went from, from that to using Stevia or, or one other natural uh, sugar additive. And so now I'm trying to lately acquire a taste for black coffee so I can get, so nothing messes it up. But articles like this are definitely what uh, changed my mind on certain things. And so that's when I started, started kind of changing how I, how I do it. But we're going to take a short commercial break right now. When we come back, we'll introduce my guest, Brett Klicka, and talk about the seven-minute workout. We'll be right back after this. What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. 
If you have a loved one that is undergoing treatment for substance abuse or mental illness, you owe it to them and yourself to tune in to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. This compassionate and educational talk show will help you help those that you love by better understanding their condition and their personal recovery process. Tune in every Monday at 12 noon Pacific time to One Hour at a Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Recovery begins this hour. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to Be Fit for Life with your host, Chad Austin. If you have a question or comment about our program, send us an email at chadaustinfitness at gmail.com. That's chadaustinfitness at gmail.com. Now, back to Be Fit for Life. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Chad Austin. You're listening to Be Fit for Life. Joining me on the show today is the 2013 IDA Personal Trainer of the Year, Brett Klicka. Brett Klicka is an award-winning human performance specialist, motivational speaker, author, and educator. In his 14-year career, Brett has accrued more than 20,000 hours of training with youth, athletes, executives, and everyday people around the world as a consultant for various fitness companies and Fortune 500 companies. He uses his knowledge and experience to educate and motivate people from all walks of life through his writing, speaking, DVDs, and personal correspondence on improving life performance through health. Brett can be reached at brettclicka.com. So if you have any questions for Brett during the show, go to brettclicka.com, and that's where you can get a hold of him. Welcome to the show, Brett. Thanks a lot, Chad. No problem. Did, uh, so did you do what you were supposed to do over Thanksgiving and eat? Hey, I ate. I, I think I got a gold medal. I think I beat everyone <laughs> else. I uh, I went for... I did a little overtime. I did full regulation and overtime on Thanksgiving dinner, so uh, I was feeling pretty good. <laughs> no, I, I did pretty good, too. So <laughs> <laughs> I was telling my listeners earlier that I have shared a lot of blog posts and articles that you've written, so they may recognize your name uh, in the description, but you recently published an article through the American College of Sports Medicine about high-intensity training that ended up being called the 7-Minute Workout by New York Times. I thought this was a great topic for this time of year. So with all the favorable research on high-intensity training, would you say that high-intensity training is the best way to train? Well, just real quick, when you look at, you know, when we define what high-intensity training is, and which has been kind of knocked around and, and mystified, and even the, the article um, that was in the in College Sports Medicine and, and got such wide traction. It's been misquoted and misrepresented and misunderstood. I mean, high-intensity training is, is getting your heart rate uh, and really your, your overall intensity. It's, you're working extremely hard, and it's not just, oh, you're sweating. You're getting your heart rate up to around 90% of your absolute max. And if anyone has trained at that level, it's, it's, it's very challenging, and for it's for beginners, it's kind of a scary place to go, and it's probably not a place that beginners need to go to highest of high intensities. Um, so when the question comes to is it the best way to train, it, it is a, it's a strategy. It's a high-intensity training is a very efficient exercise strategy uh, 
for people that are particularly people who are time strapped or if you don't have access um, to a gym, you don't have, you know, time access or, or any of those things. It's a great strategy. And even for people that do have time and access, it's a great strategy to throw into your workout. But as far as the best way to train, I guess the answer to that would really come down to, you know, what are your goals? If your biggest goal is merely just figuring out how to get exercise into your day and you only got 20 minutes and you really do want to see something for your exercise, you want to see some fat loss, some weight loss, some improvements in fitness, uh, then it is. It's a great, it's a, a great strategy. Uh, but if you're someone who wants to run a, a triathlon to better your marathon or you're looking to compete in a, a, a bodybuilding contest or a powerlifting contest or uh, you're at 10% body fat and you're looking to get down to 5% body fat, uh, it might not be the best best overall strategy, but it is a strategy nonetheless. So I guess the answer to that would be, as far as it being the best strategy, it would kind of depend on what your goals are, but it is it is an effective part of anybody's workout plan, particularly if time is your concern. Mm-hmm. And so this time of year, when a lot of people's time starts to go away, getting ready for the holidays and stuff, it's probably a good substitute for a lot of people's programs. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and that's, you know, what you said is, is being smart and planning out. This time of year, there's no way around it. This time of year is stressful. we got a lot of stuff going on. I mean, I got, I'm looking at, Miles is joking with my wife uh, the other day because I usually, I'm obviously swimming and so my nutrition is pretty spot on most of the time. But here I'm going to San Francisco for a, a speaking event and I'm not going to give up that food in San Francisco. That place is awesome. <laughs> And I just came off the holiday, off the Thanksgiving, and I come back, and we just had a, a baby, and so my parents are coming down, and we're going to go for my wife's birthday, we're going to go to wine country, and it's just a chain of events from here till till Christmas. And so I personally am looking at it, saying, man, how am I going to, A, you know, keep a semblance of nutrition together, and how am I going to get my, my exercise in, and this high-intensity training is a very efficient way to go about it. And so, yeah, when I'm on the road, that's what I'm going to be doing. When I'm home and I'm squeezing in time between taking care of the baby and doing the work I need to do, and if I got a half hour, that's what I'll be doing. But then I switch that strategy to other times of the year when I do have more time. And I look at some strength gains or or their speed or power, whatever. My goal is for that, quote, season uh, depending on what my sport is, when I'm playing soccer and run half marathons or skiing or whatever it is, I kind of cater my plan around that. But right now, like you said, it's, and a lot of people out there are time strapped. So this time of year, so it is the high intensity training is right now a great strategy for people who are looking at either something short or nothing at all. I think it's a, probably the best strategy out there. Yeah, you know, I I do kind of the same type of routine where I kind of substitute it back and forth with another way. So like normally uh, this time of year, for a six-week stretch, I, a lot of times I'm not as busy because my clients are so busy. So I have more time to work out a lot of times. And then when when uh, New Year's hits from January to March is normally as trainers, it's our busier time of year. So that's normally when I would have to get quicker workouts in. So yeah. I kind of go in the same kind of cycle, it sounds like, as you do. Absolutely. And, and here's the thing, anyone listening out there, I mean, uh, you know, Chad and myself, we do this for a living. And so obviously we're going to be very strategic about it, but 
just a little bit of strategy goes a long way. And, and it's surprising how if just with a little bit of planning, how normal of a life you can live and still actually be a, a exercise aficionado and a nutrition aficionado. And you don't have to give up your life uh, to do that, to, to be healthy and have the, the body you want and have the health you want. But it just, that little bit of planning, that little bit of foresight and recognizing, hey, this is my super busy time of year, so this strategy is going to work now, but hey, when I get to spring or when I get to the end of winter, whatever time it is, I am going to have more time and, and cater a strategy versus just wake up and kind of see how things go. And that's probably the worst strategy when it comes to creating any sort of, of market change in your body or your weight or your health. Yeah, like with, without a game plan, then you're not going to get a result, it seems like. that's Absolutely. And a game plan, is that might be just on a Sunday sketching out on, a, on your iPad or you're putting a plan in your phone or, or sketching on a piece of paper, taking 30 minutes and just writing down, hey, from this date to this date, I'm going to work out on these days at this time and I'm going to do th- this workout. And then it just a general guideline goes a long way. Yeah. Then listeners... I posted, I found a seven-minute workout. I heard you say that it's been misquoted and a lot before, so I, I Googled the seven-minute workout, and I was looking for it. But I found one that it it uh, used a couple quotes from you, and it has the seven-minute workout of all the exercises on there. But this is on uh, the top of my timeline probably right now, so listeners can go there and listen, and take a look at it. What are some common misunderstandings, would you say, with high-intensity training? Well, I think the number one a uh, misunderstanding of high intensity training is is yes it is efficient and a lot of the research has uh, demonstrated that in a shorter amount of time you know when you compare the high intensity work to the more traditional lower intensity work so now we're talking instead of your 45 minute elliptical death march we're looking at a 20 minute sprints and and getting your heart rate up and recovering that the shorter work actually was more effective for burning fat. And so now everyone's really excited and they're saying, hey, shorter workout time, higher intensity. So now there's, it's gone from, well, if we can get something in 30 minutes to 20 minutes to 10 minutes and, and the seven minute thing, which by the way, there, we make no claims to seven minutes being, uh, any amount. It just so happens the circuit, uh, takes about seven to eight minutes to do, and we recommend doing it two to three times. So that's just one of the, the misquotes there. But and, and down to all the way to Tabata training is getting very popular, and people are going off of the, the four-minute idea. It's, oh, you just have to work out for four minutes, and it's you're burning all this fat. And if you really read the Tabata research or you read the research in the seven-minute workout, or if you, you read any of the actual research, you find it's a different story. I mean, it's... It's yes, with Tabata training in four minutes of, by the way, four minutes of an absolute nightmare of your life that you would yeah. never want to do. I mean, I, it, we're not talking four minutes of 20 seconds of sit-ups or squat jumps. We're talking thrusters. We're talking Olympic lifts. We're talking things that you, you're unconscious at the end of the, the four minutes, literally. <laughs> I mean, it's, you're going to 175% of your VO2 max. I mean, it's, these are, I don't even, it's hard for me I could probably bring myself to that, and I have before, but I'm not going to do it again tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's it's awful. And so at the end of four minutes, they they ran out research for about two weeks, and they found that there were some similar adaptations within the cell to endurance training. And so what then what everyone's taken from that is like endurance training. So it must mean that it's doing the same as 45 minutes of, of jogging, and which it isn't. 
And really, the research is relatively limited. It looked at two weeks, and so we're making all these inferences on on very limited. Uh, so that's important to note. So the time that's being claimed, I mean, really, if you look across the literature, 20 minutes is really scientifically accepted as sort of the basement. So accumulating that 20 minutes of work, if, if fat loss is, mm-hmm. is your goal, that's going to be what you want to look at. Another one of it, and I touched brief, briefly on this before, but one of the other things that it is sort of misunderstood is who it's appropriate for. Uh, we're sort of locked in this, this fat loss tower of babble type of thing where everyone comes to the same forum, but everyone's speaking a different language. And you got the person that is 150 pounds overweight and they're talking about fat loss. And then you got the mom or dad who's trying to lose 20 pounds. They're talking about fat loss. And you got the size stud or studette who's into low double digit body fat and they're trying to get into single digit body fat. And then finally we got competitive athletes who are trying to lose a little bit of weight to make weight or, or some other sport concern. So you got all these different people talking about fat loss, but really they're all in a very different situation. The same strategy is not going to be effective for all of them. So if I'm someone who's a hundred pounds overweight and I'm looking to to make some change in my life, and I've never exercised before, high-intensity work is probably not the best solution, particularly because along with with being 100 pounds overweight, there's some health ramifications uh, of obesity. Mm -hmm. So we might be looking at um, some heart problems, some lung problems, some other other issues there. And so we got to be careful with people just jumping on board and saying, hey, this is the way to do it. You know, if I'm a mom or dad that's it's 20 pounds overweight, well, what do we know about moms or dads? Time is of the that on that count. Uh, it might be something that's good for a mom and dad situation. However, if, if I've never exercised before, I mean, literally, it's like if you had a, a 1960 or 1965 Mustang that's been sitting in your garage since 65, and I go and fire it up. It's the best thing to do, go drag race it as soon as I pull out of the garage. <laughs> and that's what we're doing. That's what it's turned into. We found that this, this shorter, higher intensity exercise can be effective. So what we've done is we just blanketed it. What the media has done, what even trainers have done, is they've just blanketed it across everyone saying, hey, this is the solution. And I think that's a, a big problem. Low-intensity cardiovascular work still has a place in everyone, everyone's program. When I was a coach at the Olympic Training Center, Olympic athletes would do recovery work, low heart rate work for 20 minutes. Uh, even power athletes. Uh, all my pro athletes, we do recovery work at a low intensity. And all my moms and dads, I recommend at least one day of, of getting out and walking or jogging or something low heart rate for 30 or 40 minutes. So the notion that it's the end-all, be-all, I think is a big mistake. And finally, yeah. and finally, just defining what it is, people's actual execution of it. So if you're going to do high-intensity training, realize that high-intensity isn't just how many high-fives you give during the workout or... <laughs> Uh, how how loud you turn your workout music. It's an actual objective measure of work. And where we look to those objective measures of work are your heart rate or actual intensities of lifting based on your absolute maxes. So if I'm talking intensity with weight training, I'm talking, okay, how much can you lift for one rep? And then we're going to exercise at about 70 to 85% of that. 
and being able to objectively measure it versus just going in every day and saying, yeah, this is high intensity because I'm yelling loud and I have on a shirt that says go hard or go home. Well, that's all great. But unless you're objectively looking at, are you getting your heart rate to up to 90% of your max uh, or are you, your lifting intensities, are they anywhere near what would be considered uh, high intensity work? Are any of these things being measured? And if they're not, you're, you're kind of just making noise and you're being fit. Yeah. <laughs> Let me be clear. You're exercising, you're being fit and that will change your life and that will save your life. But if you're dead set on using high intensity interval training to get results, you got to realize that the objectivity is if, if you're just objective and you start tracking some of these things in four weeks, you'll get results that took you three months to get. Mm-hmm. It, um, you have an ebook that you wrote also, the Underground Workout Manual, Exercise and Fat Loss in the Real World. So in your book, uh, in your book, you talk about losing fat by doing the opposite of what many gur- gurus tell you to do. So what do you mean by that? Well, there's, like I said, there's, a, there's such a plethora of information. The Internet has just exploded everyone's ability to, to get information, unfortunately, has decreased the quality of that information because anyone can now become a guru and they can stand their soapbox and just give their opinion. When you talk about fat loss, one of the number one things I address in the book is the obsession with, with cardiovascular exercise for fat loss. And even though, and by the way, cardiovascular, I'm not ripping on cardiovascular exercise. I think that people have gone too far in, in saying things like cardiovascular exercise makes you fat. And it's kind of a ridiculous uh, misinterpretation of what's happening. Uh, but with, with going out and running or jogging or, or constant endurance exercise is a primary fat loss strategy. And there's a reason we're still talking. We've been talking about fat loss for years, and there's a reason we're still talking about it because we haven't solved anything. We still have millions and millions of people who are frustrated. I'm not even talking about the obesity epidemic. I'm talking about just people who are getting frustrated. They're doing programs. They're on the elliptical every day. Their trainer, their, uh, their run coach, their, their guru has been saying that they got to do their cardio every day to lose fat when really – when it comes to a long-term maintenance of, of fat loss, it, it comes down to resistance training is one of the most important things you can do. Uh, and quite frankly, if you think about it, there's a reason that places that do a lot of resistance training, like gyms, there's a reason they're surrounded in, in mirrors. There's yeah. a reason why you don't see a lot of people that post all the, the shirtless selfies and the bikini selfies on Facebook, they usually don't have a caption by it that says, I hate resistance training. <laughs> because people that get the bodies that they want and, and lose the fat they want, they attack resistance training. If, if you want to change your body in the next six weeks or next year, if you want that to be your new mantra, your new ethos should be, make sure you write this down, wrap your head around this, be a nutritionist weightlifter that does cardio. Unfortunately, it's the other way around for most people. Most people are like, well, yeah, I'm trying to lose fat, so I'm doing lots of cardio, and then I do some weights, and I'm really trying to watch what I eat. If you want to completely change your body, it goes the other way around. Be a chef. Be a nutritionist. Number one is going to be that, that is the nutrition. So make that, put your energy around that. Next, be a, be a weightlifter. 
not just someone who does weights, be a weightlifter. Go get familiar with the weight room. Get comfortable with the weight room. If you don't like the weight room, that's fine. You can still do it with body weight. And by the way, that's another thing I address in the book is that you do not have to go to a gym to get the body you want. Uh, what you'll find after you've been doing resistance training for a long time is that the, the gym and, and weight training offers some very easy options for progression, which progression is an essential part of a fat loss program, but it's not like that's the only thing that there is. Uh, you can progress with body weight. You can progress with kettlebells and, and resistance bands and TRX and medicine ball. There's all kinds of different ways, but generally the easiest way to progress is found with weights. But if you can if you can change that mindset to be that, that nutritionist weightlifter that does cardio, because you still need to have cardio in there. Cardiovascular exercise is great for you, and it is it does have a role in fat loss, but we need to shift uh, that pyramid the way it is, and I taught a lot in the book, and that's probably the central uh, the central theme of, of what you're hearing wrong is sort of the the allocation of time and energy that many people put into their program. Yeah, I I love that saying. The nutritional nutritionist weightlifter who does cardio. That's great. Uh, listeners, if you would like a free workout and a free and a video from the Underground Workout Manual, Brett has a place on his site. All you have to do is go to brettclicka.com and on the right-hand side you can sign sign in your information and you'll get a free workout and a video from the Underground Workout Manual. But real quick, we are going to take a short commercial break, and when we come back, we'll talk more with the Personal Trainer of the Year from 2013. Thanks. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Listen every week for Mental Health with Dr. Sarita Rao. Our program focuses on behavioral health issues like depression, dependence on drugs and alcohol, anger management, stress, and other challenges. From ADHD to bipolar disorder, we'll want to hear from you with questions and experiences to share. That's Mental Health with Dr. Sarita Rao, live every Thursday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Find out more. You don't need to deal with this alone. How is your health? Do you want to know more about it? Every day there are new technologies, procedures, and healing techniques coming forward. To understand them, tune in to Speaking of Health with Dr. Michael Cudlis. Our guests come from different backgrounds in the fields of health and healing. We'll discuss new realities and modalities, from chiropractic to metagenics. It's all designed to improve your quality of life. Speaking of Health is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are tuned in to Be Fit for Life. With your host, Chad Austin. If you have a question or comment about our program, send us an email at chadaustinfitness at gmail.com. That's chadaustinfitness at gmail.com. Now, back to Be Fit for Life. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Chad Austin. You're listening to Be Fit for Life. We're here with Brett Klicka, and we're talking about the Underground Workout Manual. Brett, for those that either can't afford it 
don't have access to it or just dislike the gym, what advice do you have for them to exercise to, to lose fat? Well, I think the important thing to, to realize here is, is, like I said, the gym is a great option for people that have that option. They can afford it. They can get to it. They have time for it. But that's not 100% necessary. you got to remember that we didn't have gyms for about 10,000 years. We looked pretty freaking good for about 10,000 years. I've seen the statues. You know, we, I don't think the modern physique would have inspired Michelangelo to, to work a whole lot. And so those people, you look at our ancestors and, and how did they sculpt those bodies that, that they celebrated in art and they celebrated in sculpture. And really it was, it interacted with the world around them. I mean, they didn't have gyms to go to. They, they lifted rocks. They, they would play. They'd do sports. They'd just recreational activities. They interacted with their environment. So it is possible. Now, that's not our lives anymore. So it has to be a strategy. It's not just going to happen. So we don't ha- we're not go- climbing up hills and going up and down hills with heavy water, heavy barrels, and we're not building our homes, cutting down trees, and it's just not our life. So the the notion that hey, just live life and that'll happen, that doesn't that that's not applicable anymore. So we do have to have a strategy. So if if you look at what these people used to do with their own body and their own body weight, well, you realize that it is possible. You can do this at home. And in the Underground Workout Manual, I talk about, and I actually give a 12-week program of everything that you can do at home. So it's a step-by-step, follow it every day for 12 weeks, body weight and resistance band, and get some. So if, if you don't want to go to the gym, having a home gym is a very, very, a cheap, simple way to be able to get exercise in. Learn 12 exercises. You don't need to know, you don't need a book of a thousand exercises. I offer, it's great for variety and in the underground workout manual, like 80 or 90 different exercises because it, it's very it's fun. It's, it's different all the time. But if you're by yourself with about 12 exercises, you can completely change your whole body and get every piece of your body. You can work every muscle of your body. You can get stronger uh, you can lose fat, but it's just putting them together in a in a program that works. And, and here's what I can say about that. I want to make sure that you're getting about a 20-minute stimulus to your body. Mm-hmm. So five minutes, great. Your energy is going to improve. That's good. Ten minutes, great. Fifteen minutes, better. Twenty minutes is sort of the scientific cusp where they say, hey, you know what, you're really – Especially if you're at high-intensity work, you're, you're really impacting your metabolism. So look at that. So when you sit down to write it out, 20 minutes is a great time. One of the easiest ways to know that you're getting 20 minutes of work is to do timed sets. So instead of saying I'm going to do 10 push-ups, say I'm going to do 30 seconds of push-ups and then 30 seconds of rest. So that's a minute. So all I need is, is really five of those, so push-ups, 30 seconds, rest for 30 seconds. Lunges, 30 seconds, rest, 30 seconds. Uh, crunches, 30 seconds, rest, 30 seconds. Back extension, Superman, 30 seconds. So 30 seconds, 30 seconds, five minutes. Okay, mm-hmm. so I got five different exercises, and that's five minutes with the workout and the rest. I do that circuit four times. Just do that same circuit four times. That's 20 minutes of work. And one thing I mentioned earlier, what's important over time, because if that workout's really hard for you today, and next week. Well, if it's still hard for you in six weeks, I'd be very surprised. In, yeah. in order for your body to, to continue changing, you have to continue challenging it. So if, if 
30 seconds of normal push-ups, after a couple of weeks, you can do that with no problem. we got to look for ways to make everything challenging, to make it harder. So you look at all the different variables you got going on. Well, I can look at my rest time. I can cut my rest time. If I don't know any other variations to push-ups, well, cut your rest time by 5 seconds or 10 seconds. You can make your, instead of 5 minutes, you can make your circuit, add another 2 exercises, make it 7 minutes. So you do that 4 times in 28 minutes. That's a way to make it harder. We can look at modifying the exercise. Instead of push-ups with your feet on the floor or push-ups with your feet on the counter, do push-ups on the floor or push-ups with your feet up on a a chair or a bench. Grab some weight. If you can invest in some 20-pound dumbbells, 10-pound dumbbells, I'm a huge fan of all the different selectorized dumbbells. Huge fan of that. I think it's probably the best investment you could make. They're not cheap, but really with the functionality of those, uh, power blocks are, are one of my favorites, but hmm. you can build a home gym and have up to a hundred pounds of weight that takes up a, a two foot by two foot area. It's amazing. Yeah. So it's just a way to progress. So, so what I'd say is just look at some of those different things. I like timed workouts for most people because it's a way to know you're getting enough work, uh, especially when you don't have a professional overseeing you and then choose some simple exercises I would gear towards the ones that make your heart beat the fastest. Crunches don't really make your heart beat that fast. If you know other exercises, burpees, um, things like that, put them in. I like things that, that get your heart rate up. Uh, but then things like crunches and back extensions serve their purpose too. But if you just only got 20 minutes, if we can cut to the chase, do things that are going to really make you a little woozy afterwards, hey, let's go for those. Uh, so, so like I said, it is possible to get pretty simply – get some great work even at home. Yeah, I like what you said about the if it's hard now, it won't be hard in six weeks with the progression. I do something similar. I always tell my clients is if, if I have to make a modification, it doesn't matter. If, if you can't do something at the time, it doesn't mean you can't do it. It just means you can't do it yet. And so yep. it's all fitness is all about progression, doing better next time than you did this time. Absolutely. And so I definitely, I like the way you explain that. Um. So we talked a lot about high-intensity training and how popular it's getting. With it getting so popular, where do you think the trend will go in the next couple of years? You know, I, I get asked this a lot because everyone's trying to figure out, you know, what's next, what's next. And, and I tend to, you know, if you look at the trends over the years, it's sort of like the antithesis. You really see this in nutrition. It's sort of like they, in America, that's how we do it. We, don't, we go all out. We create a major sword, like a big old swing, like a, a seesaw. We, we, we jump on one side of the teeter-totter. And it's, with nutrition, you see this all the time. Hey, don't eat any fat. Fat's so bad for you. Oh, my God, fat's going to kill you. So no one eats any fat. We cut it out. It's evil. And then we realize, huh, you know what? Saturated fat might not be as bad as we thought it was. Maybe dietary cholesterol isn't as bad as we thought it was. So instead of saying, hey, let's take this information, let's figure out what makes sense, everyone runs and jumps on the other side of the teeter-totter. So they go say, oh, no, fat's great. Eat as much as you can. Just don't eat any carbs. Don't eat any carbs at all, and you're going to be great. And So this is what we do. So with exercise in the 90s, if you'll remember, it was all about the low-intensity work, and, and that's when I was in college, and they just they really dissed circuit training and, and really interval training. They it, there really wasn't it wasn't popular. There's a lot of research really uh, making pretty bad claims about the and their central claim was it just doesn't improve you as much as if you did a concentrated um, aerobic 
uh, low-intensity aerobic plan, which there's some truth to, but most people aren't trying to become marathon runners. They're just trying to lose some fat. So and then all of a sudden it switches to now we're on the other side of the seesaw where it's we're just going as high intensity as possible. We're just killing people. And so I honestly think that where the trend is going, the biggest things that we're going to see are going to be in response to a lot of the, what's happening in the high-intensity world right now. Unfortunately, there's a lot of injuries because it's being applied to the wrong people. Uh, and I think that combined with just some societal things, just how stressed we are as a society, how oh, we're not sleeping well, we're um, all kinds of, of just inherent lifestyle problems we're having, I think in the next probably five to ten years, what's going to become more popular is uh, more recovery-based work. I think that, uh, I don't think that it will be purely just like yoga, but I think that we're going to start to see as part of a training program more breathing strategies implemented, becoming more popular, um, controlled breathing, breathing practices. I think that post-workout recovery, I think particularly with high-end athletes, we're not going to see equipment and technology to get them training harder. I think that supplementation and and soft tissue work and a lot of the recovery stuff is going to become really what's happening on the cutting edge. And I think that's going to come all the way down to, to everyday people. I think that, yes, we're still going to exercise and we're still going to train. We'll probably still like doing it at a high intensity, but I think where there's going to be more focus and someone's going to get smart about really integrating this in through a product, higher quality of sleep, stress abatement, breathing, uh, nutrition for recovery, recovering after a workout. Because uh, really, when you look at the, the research, when it comes to what we're doing to ourselves with these horribly stressful lifestyles, we're not sleeping, we're taking in too much caffeine, we're completely, our, our sympathetic nervous system is just guiding our whole body. And, and there's all kinds of hormonal problems that are having, happening because of that. And then we pair that reckless, just trained to destruction lifestyle with another huge high-intensity workout plan. So right now we're just driving ourselves into the ground. So the rebound over the years is going to be something to dig us out of that hole. I mean, that's my prediction. That's what I really see. That's what I've really started to preach and practice with a lot of the clients and the people that I work with. Yeah, it's very interesting. Um, well, Brett, we're getting close to the end of the interview here. I want I, One last question I always like to end uh, my interviews with. Uh, if you had one thing that you would want all the listeners to take away with this from this show, what would from this interview, what would it be? One thing, one takeaway. I think the important thing is, and, and my message, no matter where I go in the world, the, the one takeaway when we talk about exercise, and we can argue about what's the best, and we can argue, the one takeaway is, is get out and play. Honestly, it, it, we talk about exercise like it's a novelty. We've made it such a novelty. We've convinced people they have to pay for it. We've convinced people it can only happen during certain times. You can only do certain things. And yeah, there's some very laser-guided strategies to get certain goals. But if we as a society just decided that, you know, it's a nice day, so I'm going to go for a walk because that's what people do and that's what we enjoy doing. Uh, if if we're with our kids and say, hey, let's go outside and play Frisbee. If we just made some of these simple little decisions for ourselves and for our families, we would be a different world right now. 
So I think that that would probably be the number one takeaway that I want everyone to go home with is, yeah, we can talk about the science behind certain types of exercise, but if you just remember to play and remember that exercise is a reward and it, it was, it's been a reward for years and just recently we've turned it into this, this almost punitive novelty and it's not, mm. it's fun. Look at you. If anybody yeah. has a dog, look at your dog. I, when I, when we had our dog, I couldn't even say park in our house. Because she'd go nuts. Because, I mean, really? You're going to let me go be physically active and run around? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's, there's something to be said for that. And so if we can just start looking at that from that angle instead of this highly uh, novel concept of movement, I think we'll get more people in the, in the fight for their health. Yeah, that's a very, very good point about your about your dog. My my dog in college that I'd run with that always knew what it meant when I he knew what shoes were my running shoes. He knew what it meant when I started stretching. He yeah, he'd get all excited because he knew he was going to get to go outside. And yeah. so, <laughs> um, so Brett, along with the underground workout manual, um, so if people wanted to sign up for the underground workout manual, where would be the best way for them to go about doing that? Just go to undergroundworkoutmanual.com, and there's more information about the Underground Workout Manual there. You can go to my website, uh, www.brettklicka, that's K-L-I-K-A.com. Like you said, there's a free trial on there, uh, and, and also just some more information about it. And I highly recommend it. I'll be releasing 2.0 uh, later this year, and so this is, but this first installment is just a, it's an awesome, especially for those people that like we said before, don't have the time, the money, the interest in going to the gym. It's a great at-home workout strategy that I've implemented with my clients, thousands of clients all over the world. And it's what I put together over the last, you know, near 15 years I've been in this industry and, and I'm proud of it. And I can say that when I'm on the road, I use it. And I think a lot of people would uh, enjoy doing the same. Yeah, I, I was going to ask you if there was going to be a, a follow-up for the underground work. So that's awesome. I'll be looking forward to that. I do have the, the first one, and uh, as a trainer, it's definitely uh, – I always look for more, more ideas and, and uh, more workouts for myself too, so I, I've definitely enjoyed it. Um, so listeners, we're about to wrap up the show for this week. So my advice to you to close the show this week is to start – make sure you practice consistency through this six-week stretch as we – Enter the six-week stretch between now and New Year's Day and try to plan out your workouts from the beginning. Make sure you don't let the, this busy holiday season fall, make you fall off of your fitness program. And so try to maintain your health and fitness in, in, along with your program over this, over this six-week holiday period. But, Brett, thank you for joining me on the show today. Uh, it was a great talking to you. Uh, listeners, uh, have a great week, and we will see you next time on Be Fit for Life. Thanks again for tuning us in. Please join Chad Austin next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition of Be Fit for Life on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, have fun, get active, and be fit. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. 
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 